It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a big game, obviously, but uh, we played in a lot of big games, and uh, it is a game. It's, it's the same game we've been playing. Uh, last time I checked, uh, you know, same field, same stadium, same amount of time. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, it's a, it's a big game. We're putting a lot into this, but uh, we put in a lot into everyone. So it's, uh, it's going to be business as usual for us. Network. It's the Friday before the big game. We've been waiting for almost two weeks. We're two days away. Vikings and Saints. The whole city of Minneapolis, it seems like, is going to be lit up in purple this weekend. All the big landmarks per order of the, the governor, or the mayor or something. The government's getting involved and, and they're making sure that this is a Vikinged out city. The tension is palpable, say Drosenfels. There's a lot of excitement right now in the Twin Cities. This is going to be a big event. Yeah, it's building up, and I and I think that yes, in particular for Vikings fans with the with the bye week, uh, you've been sort of we were sort of waiting for you know who we're going to play this Sunday, and so then whenever that happened uh, last weekend, it felt like you know it felt like you wanted to play on Monday or Tuesday. You have to wait wait another week. So um, yeah, I think everyone's chomping at the bit. I'm sure the players are are chomping at the bit, and also getting healthy and 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 getting uh, getting ready to go. Uh, it's going to be a great game. I, 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 there's a reason that this was the, you know, fourth game of the weekend. It's sort of the prime time game uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I think uh, you know the NFL. They, they think this is going to be the best game. There's a lot of storylines. Uh, I'm not sure how many Vikings are going to be there that played in that 2009 game. I'm going to be there. Nice. I actually got a phone. I actually got a phone call from. Uh, the, the Vikings alumni director Tracy McDonald the other day uh, sent me a couple tickets. Uh, she asked if I wanted to be in the sort of the Vikings box that they have for for former players, <laughs> which sort of surprised me. Um, but my assumption was maybe they're trying to get as many guys that are on that 2009 team, you know, at that game. And, and uh, I, I thought I saw somebody on Twitter uh, said the other day that uh, Favre should be the one. Uh, to do the uh, the horn yeah. before yeah. the game, which, which I thought would be pretty dang cool, especially if it was a big surprise and no one knew about it. I think that would be just sort of an epic way to start the football game. Yeah. Do you think that Favre would show up to this thing? Does he, or does he kind of have to play the image of I'm loyal to the Packers now? I can't really, I can't really play that card again because I think he's repaired things, right, with Green Bay. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that would affect you know Green Bay's fan, you know their 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 love for Favre. I mean, I think they understand that you know that was a special season for him and that was a special season for Viking. It's you know. If you if people are that serious about uh, the NFL, it's sort of ridiculous. I think they'd actually think it's pretty cool. Uh, and, and would Favre do it? Yeah, yeah. I think Favre he loves having it. You know, that guy loves uh, being sort of the the center of attention for just a little bit. And uh, I think it would be it probably just add to the uh, his legacy. And obviously, he has an, an amazing Green Bay legacy, and he sort of has a one year Vikings legacy. I think this would. Uh, sort of be like a stamp, you know, on that. And uh, I think that that would have been really cool. I don't think that's going to happen. 
Um, I'm not sure who's doing it this week, but I, I think that would have been a great idea. I don't want to get too excited because then I'll just be let down when it doesn't happen. I really want this now. <laughs> Did you happen to yeah. see uh, his quote this week? He said that he was concussed in that game, in the Vikings-Saints game. Did you see that? No, I did not. But not, not not surprised. I mean, it doesn't not that doesn't take much to get a concussion, but if you get whacked a couple times, uh, you know, in the head, or you get hit and you fall back and you whack your head against the ground. I mean, uh, it's easy to get dizzy and to get you know to have a slight concussion, major major concussion. Um, but you know that that wouldn't that that wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't surprise me if Favre had you know, 20 or 30 concussions over the course of his career. Right. Yeah, that, that's kind of the scary thing. And I think he's even said that that he's experienced a little bit of short-term memory loss, which is kind of scary. But, you know, speaking of that game, you wrote on The Athletic, sort of sort of hopping off of the conversation we had Wednesday, comparing the two teams, 2009, 2017. And we both agreed that 2017 might not have as much high-end talent as 2009, but it's a little more cohesive as a team. I know you kind of broke it down on theathletic.com. Where were the positions where you felt like 2009 had like a clear edge? Well, quarterback. Uh, yeah. You know, Favre had uh, one of the great years probably in NFL history. What, what was it, 30, 35 touchdowns and seven picks or 33 and seven, something like that. And, and really – I think of those seven picks, uh, you know, three or four of them came in like the last four or five games. Uh, he threw a couple of didn't hurt at the end there. So um, it was even a um, better season before before right at the end. Um, so quarterbacks and running backs, Adrian Peterson, uh, though he had sort of the fumbles that year. Uh, you know, I, I, of course, we love this this tandem of Murray and, and uh, um, McKinnon. McKinnon. But, you know, Adrian was in his prime, and he's a Hall of Fame running back. Um, I think offensive line sort of a wash. You know, that was a good line, but it did have Steve Hutchinson, who you know might be a Hall of Fame uh, player. Uh, I thought defensive line sort of wash. You had the Williams brothers, uh, you know, quote unquote brothers on the inside. You know, do you do you take Jared Allen uh, over Everson Griffin? You know, I think I might take Jared Allen in that situation. Um, uh, so I'm trying to think linebackers. Linebackers, I think the new team. Uh, the, the 2017 team uh, is a little faster, um, uh, a little more athletic. Uh, that other team with EJ Henderson, Chad Greenway, uh, and Ben Lieber, very good linebacking crew. I think one of the best uh, in the NFL that year. Um, but uh, yeah, they weren't. They were, and, and, and I think the, of all the things that were <clears throat> better then or, or better now, coaching is the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. That team had a ton of great players. Uh, I think I, I did have better talent than this year's team, but coaching was was the big difference, and you really coaching style. Uh, and that defense, it was you know a lot of zone drops, uh, which meant a lot of sort of easy completions for offenses, but it caused you know the defense ride to the football with with speed and try to force turnovers and those types of things. This defense is pressure all the time. Uh, even when they're playing zone, it's matchup zone. So uh, it's really just forms of man-to-man. -man. So every throw is contested. Every throw is tight. Uh, and there aren't just those easy completions uh, that I'm sure Vikings fans remember during the Leslie Frazier era. Well, I would say one of the biggest differences would have to be secondary between the, the, those two teams we're comparing. Because yeah, the secondary, Yeah, was it yep. now the safeties were – Madiu Williams and Tyrell Johnson, and that was and I, I yeah I broke that down. You know Cedric Griffin was a good corner, a very good corner, um, and Antoine Winfield another very good corner, <clears throat> but not great man-to-man -man guys. You know again they were they were they were drafted or they were groomed to be more zone guys, good tacklers, cover two, you know type players. 
but uh, yeah, but the safety position, you know, Harrison Smith is the I think the best safety in football, and uh, he graded out that way with Pro Football Focus. Um, and I, I remember a stat what was it, a year ago or maybe almost two years ago that there had been a, a long stretch, like 10 or 12 straight years, that the team that won the Super Bowl had a safety that was a, uh, a pro bowler or an all-pro player. Uh, there has been a, a long, it shows the, the importance of the safety, and, uh, and Harrison Smith uh, really is that safety. I think that's where the, the biggest difference is, uh, is Harrison Smith and, and the secondary, and, you know, guys like Xavier Rhodes, and really the depth of the corner position um, with Trey Waynes and the other guys. That's super interesting. You can read that article at theathletic.com, written by our very own Sage Rosenfels. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Here's a question for you. I asked Mike Zimmer this yesterday. I want to get your two cents as well. So when you go into a loud environment, I'm assuming that you would pump in noise into practice, you'd get ready for it. Uh, was there ever a time when you felt sort of overwhelmed by the noise, like the preparation you did in practice with the, the artificial noise may not have even been enough? Because I know that New Orleans, I'm sure, is pumping it up as far as they can this week to get ready for U.S. Bank Stadium. Do you think that adequately prepares them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's not even the fact that uh, – there's a lot of noise in practice and you can't really hear. I mean, you're, you're really trying to do most of your communication um, with hand signals and, and, and things like that. Um, I, I think you also, if you have the noise that occurs during a game like this and, and the noise that occurred in the 2010 NFC Championship game, it's so loud for, you know, three and a half hours. It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And I, I think it's a really good idea that teams have noise during practice, but you also don't want to exhaust your players. I mean, you really, for, you know, for two hours, do you want Drew Brees yelling at the top of his lungs uh, uh, on Wednesday and Thursday? I mean, it, it's exhausting. And I, I, you know, I think that you, you do some of it for some periods, you know, for some team periods, but you, know, you don't have that, you don't have that, whether it's music or, or some sort of crowd noise, you don't have that. Uh, you know, in seven-on-seven drills or in, in, you know, the individual drills and being able to practice. Uh, you really just have it for, you know, m maybe a total of 40 plays, you know, throughout practice. Yeah, I think the noise is really going to play a big factor on Sunday. I was I was doing some digging, too, on the Vikings' defense at home. All, they've only allowed 100 points total all year. Uh, no That's more, incredible. No more than 19 in any game. Uh, they averaged, like, 
like 3.5 yards per carry against and like 5.5 yards per pass attempt against. The sack numbers are huge. It's the second best home defense that they've ever had in the 16-game schedule era. Uh, the only other one that was better was 98. That was a pretty good team. So that's a, that's a historically good defense they've got there. If you were kind of in the, the offensive meetings this week, uh, giving the final words of advice, the sage advice to the Minnesota Vikings, what would you be saying? Like, what are, what are your ultimate keys to this game that you're telling the offense, you're telling the quarterbacks, you know, do this and you're going to win? I think the key is in games like this is you just can't win playing scared. You can't win playing conservative. You know, if the Vikings turn the ball over two or three times and, and lose, that's going to happen, uh, uh, you know, no matter what your mentality is going to the game. So I think you have to play every playoff game, really every football game, but these playoff games you have to play with your you know, foot on the pedal uh, and, 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 and the gas going. And you can't uh, hold back. You can't play conservative, conservatively. You can't play nervous. You can't play um, trying not to lose. You have to go out there and go get the win, and uh, it all fit, you know, all 46 guys, I guess, you know, have to have that mentality. But most importantly, that the quarterback, Case Keenum, he has to have. And it's not not a not not a uh, a play of like you know, being sort of desperate to make plays, but you have to play aggressively aggressively with your foot on the gas. That's how they've won all year. That's how that's why Case has played well all year. Uh, and if you would change that up and try to play conservatively and not to lose, uh, I think that's exactly when you start making mistakes. Yep, I'm with you on that. You got to go out and get it. And uh, I think we've reached the point where we got to make our picks. I'm too antsy. Let's get to it. Let's make our divisional round picks. Let's start with the Falcons and the Eagles. The Eagles are underdogs at home. They're, they are not favored in this game. It's Atlanta by three. Uh, I think people might be sleeping on Philadelphia here. I might go with the Eagles. I feel like everyone's written them off because of the quarterback situation. Yes, that's a concern, but the defense is still really good. I think there's good talent around Nick Foles. They've had a long time to put together a game plan. I don't know. I might go with Philadelphia in this game at home. Uh, I'm about 70% sure. So I, I thought I was going to make the, the sort of sexy pick and go with Philadelphia, too, because I think everyone's, just sort of expe- everyone's on this Atlanta train. You know, they, they got sort of warm at the end of the season, had a win and scratch and claw to get in the playoffs, and then they played well last week and got a win. Um, so I think everyone's, uh, you know, putting, the, the, uh, uh, putting Atlanta in this football game. I think Philadelphia is going to win, too. At the end of the day, uh, they were the best team in the NFC for – 95% of the season. Yes, they're missing Carson Wentz, but their defense was still one of the best in the league. Uh, and the rest of their offense is pretty dang, dang good, too. They've got you know two or three good tight ends. They've got three or four receivers they've spread the ball around to. Uh, their running game is solid. Their O-lines are very good. They're well-coached. Um, I still think there's something just slightly off with that Atlanta football team, and I think they're almost like just waiting to have a bad game. And I think this might be the game they have. It. Playing outdoors, uh, I'm not. I'm, I, I believe it's the temperature's decent in the East Coast right now. Thought uh, thought I saw Lewis Riddick this morning say it was like 60 degrees in New Jersey this morning at, at eight o'clock in the morning on Twitter today. So, um, but you know, playing outdoors is not going to help Atlanta. I think they're going to be. Sometimes I think you get exhausted, you know, fighting and scratching in the playoffs, and then play a, an away game, and then now you got to play another away game. I mean, that's that's exhausting uh, for a football team. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia also. Uh, and just because you went 70, I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm going to go 90 uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, which 
uh, believe me, I'm rooting for Atlanta because I want the Vikings to win and then the Vikings to play a home game uh, yeah. next week. And uh, uh, but I'm going to go with Philadelphia in this one. Just I, I hope I hope we're I hope we're both wrong. Yeah, just check the forecast. So this Sunday in Philadelphia, it's going to be 28 and sunny. Next Sunday, the 10 day forecast, 52 and sunny. So very nice conditions if the Vikings have to play there. Nothing like a game at Lambeau at that time of year. So we both like Philadelphia, the underdog. How about the nightcap on Saturday? Titans at Patriots. New England's favored by two touchdowns in this game. I don't think the Titans have another upset in them. I'm pretty confidently going to go with New England. I think they're probably just going to cruise in this game. Tom Brady might even get a rest in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think this is... I think this might be more than 14 points. I'm not a betting man, but I might put money on the Patriots on this one. I would. I think the score is going to be something like 35 to 10. Uh, I really think they're going to win this game. Win this game with ease. I, I'm not sold at all uh, on this uh, uh, this uh, offense uh, of the Tennessee Titans. So I'm going to go with the 100 percent. 100% the New England Patriots. Yep, and I also wrote down 100. So we both love them. Uh, Jaguars, Steelers. I think this is going to be another cold one. If Philadelphia is 28, I'm sure Pittsburgh is something similar. The Jaguars bring a tough defense in there. Pittsburgh's favored by seven. Favored by seven after their bye week. I'll let you go first on this one. I see three field goals and two touchdowns by the Steelers. So that puts us at 23 points. And I see three points uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their defense is good, but when their offense doesn't produce at all, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger uh, is not the Buffalo Bills offense and Tyrod Taylor. So they will score some points, and I don't think Jacksonville will score almost any points. So I'm going to go 100% Steelers also. Yeah, as good as the Jacksonville defense is, I mean, they still got to score, right? And it was a struggle for them to score against Buffalo at home. This is on the road against a rested Steelers team, and I know their defense isn't quite the steel curtain of old, but... I still think it's going to be hard for Blake Bortles in the cold when he's used to Jacksonville weather, in the cold uh, when he's already not very good. I think Pittsburgh wins this game handily. I'm also going to go with the with the 100% guarantee. And I know a lot of people like Jacksonville, and it, it kind of surprises me, but I'm going with the established Steelers, which brings us to the Saints and the Vikings. New Orleans is a five-point underdog in this game, and I think that line has actually gone more Minnesota's way. It started at like three or four. Now it's five. Minnesota favored by five. What do you got, Sage Rosenfels? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in. I'm going to go all in, 100% Vikings. And let's, let's do a score. Yep. We should do something with a score. Could we do something with a score? You get an extra, you get like an extra point or an extra half point or something. Sure. Whoever has the closest score. So I'm going to go with the score. I think it's going to be, even though they're good de- two defensive teams, I th- do think it's going to be a little more high scoring. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Vikings 27, Saints 20. Ooh, you almost duplicated my score. So here's what I think. I think that because both these teams like to run the ball, uh, New Orleans is not a fast-paced offense. Even though they can be explosive, they are not fast-paced I don't think Minnesota's going to allow many big plays in the game, which means we're going to be talking about some longer drives in terms of time coming off the clock. I think that keeps the score a little bit lower in this game, uh, but I do think the Vikings win. I think the Vikings will take like a 20-13 to 13 lead into the fourth quarter, and then I think they will grind out 
a game-clinching touchdown drive that takes up about six or seven minutes in that fourth quarter, and they win the game 27-13. to Vikings by two touchdowns, Sage Rosenfels. What do you think? I like the sound of that. You know, I I, I get scared uh, of, of Drew Brees in that offense. You know, it's one of those situations where if we're up by a field goal or up by a touchdown, I just think it's going to be nerve-wracking, uh, wondering if Brees is going to uh, put a drive together and, and, and come and take the lead near the end. Uh, and I think the best way is, is what you said, the best way to stop that is for our offense. Uh, and maybe it's Case Keenan running for a, a key first down on a third and four. Uh, or, or, or Stefan Diggs catching a short pass and converting a third and uh, a third and eight after only a, you know a short pass uh, and run for a first down. The Vikings are going to need some some really big plays on a key drive. I'm hoping uh, in the fourth quarter uh, to to not only uh, keep the ball away from the Saints offense but to extend that lead and to make it into a two score game. That sounds like a great way to finish a playoff game. I cannot wait for it. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there sitting in the box. If indeed it is like a 2009 reunion box, who's the most interesting guy from that team that you would want to talk to? Well, you know, Favre, that'd be nice to see him again. I haven't seen him since the, uh, that, that seven-on-seven football game we played at Camp Randall Stadium a couple of years ago. Um, that is a really good question. Uh, I, I'd love to see Ryan Longwell. Uh, I, I, I always enjoyed uh, chatting with him. I'd love to... Talk about his his uh, if, you know if he would have had a chance to kick that field goal to go to the Super Bowl, um, you know I'm not I'm not sure. It, it would be great to see all any guys that show up. I, I'm hoping Chad Greenway is there. It'd be great to see him again. Obviously he's around Minneapolis a lot. He's made uh, Minnesota and Minneapolis his home. Uh, so you know anyone who's there that would be you know very fun to to you know probably I'm sure chat about that that game and what happened in that game. And, uh, and and hopefully watch the Vikings help us with a little redemption. Well, tell you what, Monday's show, win or lose, it's going to be emotionally charged. It's going to be intense. I hope it's happy, but um, if it's sad, you know, we'll we'll talk it out. Maybe we'll even take calls. Maybe we'll just have people call and invent. <laughs> well, it should be a good game. And if the Vikings do lose, and I've been thinking about this the last few days, um, I'm not going to be as, as shocked. Uh, as the 2009 uh, season, uh, I don't think Vikings fans would be as shocked as the '98 season. Um, we, you know, the Vikings are a good team. Uh, we also know, you know, Case Keenum was a backup quarterback to start the season, and uh, we also know we're playing against uh, the Saints, uh, who are an extremely good football team, who won what I believe is the best division in football this year. The NFC South had three playoff teams. Uh, they, you know, they had three teams that had ten wins. Uh, or, or more in that division. So, and they won that division. So, we, we know we're going against a really, really good football team. And and uh, I, you know, I think the Vikings have an advantage, maybe a 55-45 sort of percentage chance of winning the football game. But it's it's basically a flip of a coin. This really, this one could really go either way. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think it could. He's Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels 18 on Twitter. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Follow for updates from Winter Park today. We've had a lot of stuff coming out of there the past few days. The national media is all there. The place is packed, and it's going to be packed in the stadium on Sunday. So everybody out there, enjoy the game. Feel free to tweet us your thoughts or your opinions. If you like our picks, hopefully you do. That is the Friday episode on Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network.
Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.